0: Welcome to another episode of Real Estate Investing News for Accredited Investors. Check out the video webinar version of this episode on our YouTube channel or visit simplepassivecashflow.com slash investor letter and check out our sister podcast by searching for the Simple Passive Cashflow Podcast on your favorite podcast player. What's up, investors? On this week's Investor News... For February 6, 2023, we're going to be talking a lot about the news that's been dropped about the recent interest rates hikes. And we'll end with an investor question that I wanted to do a little bit more deep dive into with interest rates up. What the heck do we do out there? All right. So first article here that we're diving through New York Times article, the headline is smaller rate increase by fret reserve is likely as inflation cooled. So what has happened? If you guys have wanted to check out some of the past monthly reports, I would say go to com slash investor letter. But I really want to go through what's been happening over the last year or two, but more really what's been happening in the last month. So the Fed kind of came out and said that, hey, we're going to be raising interest rates a couple more times at least. Everybody thought that it was going to be rising about a half a point. And last week, They came out and said they're going to only raise it by 25 basis points from four and a half to four point seven five percent rate. Paul's words were ongoing increases, which if you are an English major, you know that to mean as at least two more further rate hikes, perhaps more at the current plus a quarter point, which is a lot lower than what we've been rising at 0.75 and a half a point increases. So that can be a good news if you're looking for when is the end coming on these interest rates, the Fed fund futures expect the F- Fed to be start cutting interest rates as soon as early fall 2023. And that's really what like people who are putting their money where their mouth is, as opposed to just internet charlatans saying, oh yeah, I guess maybe sometime later this year or 2027 or who the heck knows to drive fear, doom and gloom. And as we all know, right? Nobody has a crystal ball. But if I were to put my money, I'm going to put my money where a lot of the big money is putting it. And the Fed's fun futures are pretty much where it's at. It's like the Philadelphia Eagles versus the Kansas City Chiefs. Right now, the money line is at two right now, maybe a point and a half, depending on what you're looking at. But it could go up to three. The same thing. You follow where the money is and you follow where the big players actually putting their mon- money where their mouth is. So if you're looking what the street really is looking at, I would go look at the Fed fund futures. CNBC says the Fed Federal Reserve is likely to hike rate interest rates again. So this is just another source. Inflation is still above the Fed's 2% long-term target. Pricing pressures have come down significantly at the pace of the rate hikes is going to slow. The good news is the worst is over, says an assistant financial professor at Columbia University Business School. Of course, I've always told you guys, don't listen to these academics and especially these economists because they don't have money. They don't skin in the game. You know, never take financial advice to people who who aren't financially free. Instead, I would be taking financial advice or following what the big players are doing with their own money. But what they're saying here is the guess is that the worst is over. Rates has come down from 9.1%. I believe we're hovering in the 6% range. And overall, the economy is actually not doing that bad unemployment is still super low. I was reading another headline today. We weren't able to get into the report, but I forget who said it, but someone said, you're not in a recession when unemployment's 3.5%, which is where we're at right now. Continuing on, the effects on mortgages, although the 15 and 30-year mortgage rates are fixed and tied to the treasury yields and the economy, anyone shopping for a new home loan has lost considerable buying power, which right now, they're looking at these high 6 7% rates and the, taking the steam out of home buyers and which I think is great for us right especially for workforce housing apartment investors if you can't buy you gotta rent from us and I like to think that we're good landlords treating people the right way and improving the community out there for those of you investors who you know already have your nice nice house to live in you probably got a whole bunch of debt equity in there which we always tell you guys to get the money out but you're probably looking at the 7 8% HELOC range. But at still at that point, it still makes sense to take the money out if you can make a reliable yield somewhere else. If you can make 12%, 13% in the PEP fund paid month after, that's probably your straightest line right there. You may not have the, the stomach to go into a deal where you may have to wait two, three, four years to see any payouts yet. Even though the projected performer returns are 20% plus, even though that's what high net worth people do, right? Because they have income coming from other investments. Or maybe if you're out there, which I know you likely are, you're still working your day job, right? That job is keeping you afloat with your average cash flow today. And if you have that, you can be a little bit more aggressive, which I think you need to be if your net worth is under two to three million dollars. Yahoo Finance, they're reporting that unemployment rate falls to 3.4%. Which is all pretty much really good news, right? This is painting the picture. Is it really going to be a hard landing? I think everything I read is it's all going to be a soft landing. Um, if you guys want to get access to my quarterly kimono report where I open up my kimono and expose everybody to what's been happening. Now, you you're not going to get access to all what's happening in all the deals that goes out to the investors who are actually investors with us. But we do release part one, which is pretty insightful. And I think the webinar, this past, we did it this past week and we're still editing it up. But I believe it was about an hour and a half where we deep dive through the interest rates, pretty much expand everything we're going here and talk about what was happening in the last quarter and what's going to be coming up. You guys can get access to that at simplepassacashflow.com slash club. Join the club there and then book that free onboarding call with myself or my team. And we want to get to know you because the difference between us and all the other fake it to make it's out there is we run a real community out here, and we want to vet everybody coming. Harvard University Joint Center for Housing Studies released this report. I always like these reports, and always fun things for me to look at. Interesting points. They're talking about the number of renters burdened by housing costs reached a record high in 2021. In 2021, more renters were cost burdened than any point in 20 years of data collection and with fully 21 million households experienced burdens or 49% of all renters. So this is, plays into the thesis of renters keep renting. There's not a lot of economic mobility right, for people on the lower end of the spectrum, or I would probably argue majority of people it's very hard for them to climb the financial ladder. For a lot of you guys who make six figures at your day job or already over a million dollars net worth, if you do things the way we do, the way we teach, it is relatively simple, but it is really hard out there. And I think that's what separates us from a lot of the lower net worth, real estate clubby, real estate groupy type of organizations out there. A lot of you guys have done the hard work, gotten your net worth over a million dollars and an accredited investor. And for now, it's just about not really about growing your money and taking chances, but it's more about keeping your money at this point. But you still got to grow up because if not, you lose what, five, six, 7% to inflation every year. The change in renter income distribution means that there's a shift towards households that are much more likely to experience cost burdens. Even within income groups, the share of cost burden renters increased significantly in 2021. So unfortunately, I don't don't want to state the obvious, but this is the rich are getting richer, or maybe the educated are getting richer, and the poor are getting poorer. And unfortunately, part of that is the working middle class, which is shrinking every day by day. The cost burden, households pay more than 30%, more than 50% 50 of their income on housing. You know, I just went to Jack in a Box yesterday for the first time in a few years. Man, like a Jumble Jack was like $3.40. The the tacos were like $1.50. The dang breakfast Jack was like $4.19. Wow, that's almost like a 3x multiple what I remember it was. That's a lot more than 9.1%. Now, that's just a little joke right there, because I'm sure Jack in a box doesn't directly index with inflation, but I don't know if that's an inclination that it's it's a direct impact to like the lower class right there, although I do like me some jack in a box the number of cost burden renters reached a two decade high in twenty twenty one while homeowners were burdened more more than any point since two thousand and twelve, and you combine that the fact that people are looking at mortgages where they can't afford much with housing prices still where it was at. Although I do think housing prices will come down, but it really doesn't matter, right? With with affordability of the interest rates, people can't really afford the monthly payments on this stuff. And hopefully that just means more renters for us, right? The Real Deal Real Estate News reports Blackstone steps up tenant evictions in the US with eye on boosting returns. So Blackstone is a company that we watch or I watch pretty closely. They are one of the biggest private equity firms out there they move very nimbly yet they are very institutional they're huge but I like to watch what they're doing and in this move that their executives say will boost financial returns at the company's redemption hit real estate fund they pointed a resumption of evictions as a reason to have confidence in the cash flow growth of its housing portfolio. So maybe the way I'm reading into this is you know, the last year, There's been a lot of eviction moratoriums that have kind of worked its way through the system. We're still working through some of it on some of the properties, but I think the tail end, the light is at the end of the tunnel, I think, at least by the end of this year. Granted, the way it works is if people were put into the properties that shouldn't have been there, with average year, two-year lease, it can take more than a year to flush through and eat the snake or eat another. If you imagine like a snake eating like the crocodile, if you think about it like that, But the way I see this is Blackstone is stepping up the tenant evictions and are laying down the law a little bit. And that, that shows confidence because you wouldn't be doing that if you didn't think that your occupancy was strong, that you knew you had people lining up to rent from you at that elevated price. Now, in some of the properties where the occupancy may temporarily dip lower than 70, 80%, There, we may gravitate towards a strategy temporarily of, we just need heads and beds. We just need to get the occupancy up. Ideally, once you get that occupancy up over 80 85%, now the needle switches to, all right, let's get the best prime rents. Let's jack the rents up, which is also coincided with getting better tenants. Typically, people who pay more are typically better tenants, Just like you run a business, right? Your people who pay more are typically your best customer. Page reports these three types of apartment markets that could outperform in 2023. They mentioned college towns with students themselves offering a steady base of demand. It's more about the multiplier effect than students themselves. Students and university support roles generate further spillover benefits for local economic growth. The return for normal college year has brought tons of students back to campus. That was actually a really sad thing. The whole part of going to college, I think, is the college experience. But if they don't get it, that's going to miss out. I think that's a waste of money. But looks like everybody's coming back to school and the parties can rage on and student housing is coming back into the picture. One of the more perplexing trends in 2022 was the housing demand faltered despite solid job growth and wage growth. Um, here is a little chart of markets with outsized job growth. the the top I'll just say the top 10 markets for employment growth in was Dallas, Fort Worth, Miami, Houston, San Francisco, Riverside, Portland, New York, Austin, Las Vegas, and Nashville. Here's a chart of affordable low beta markets quarterly effective rate change. New York, Miami, Virginia Beach, Cincinnati, St. Louis, New York, West Palm Beach, Kansas City, Cleveland, Indianapolis. And if you guys want to check out these articles, check out check it out on the YouTube channel or go to simplepassivecashflow.com dot slash investor letter if you're you've got some time to read up on the past weekly news. I also put the sources in there so you can read the entire article as opposed to just going what I'm saying or my commentary. But to end things off, we had to submit a question, been with us quite some time. And it used to be, I used to use this analogy of we've got chocolate deals, we've got vanilla deals and kind of stuff in the middle, right? The chocolate vanilla swirl where the vanilla deals are your boring yield deals. They aren't too much risk and they're not as much reward. Whereas the chocolate deals, maybe you call those more like developments or more very heavy value add or deals where you don't anticipate any cash flow for two to three years. And I would tell investors, hey, just know that there's different types of deals out there, just like there's so many things to invest in. All things being equal, and the reason I, why I say that is, you know, as long as you're working with honest operators that aren't stealing your money, or playing the fake it till they make it game until they get to half a billion dollars of assets under ownership. You heard me right. If you're working with somebody under $500 million of assets under ownership, that's a pretty big red flag. And I'll actually be doing a future video on, I think I wrote down like 30 red flags. So that's coming in the future, guys. But getting back to this chocolate vanilla swirl, we've taken a break off deals lately because interest rates just aren't working. I can't make the debt service work on this type of stuff. And a lot of it's not the fact that you can get things good at good pricing and it's not Primarily the fact that interest rates are high, what it really is like there's a lot of volatility in the interest rates, and therefore things like how the cost of rate caps the which is the rate term plus the amount of you have to pay for the rate cap, some of this stuff went up like more than tenfold than I would have paid, like originally, maybe I would have paid like fifty grand for a rate cap on a big deal, which is nothing, and the last six months, that same rate cap might be half a million dollars, which pretty much torpedoes putting the deal out there because it kills the deal. And so it's that volatility that is really hampering new acquisitions for us, which is why we've switched our hampering acquisitions, which are vanilla and chocolate, if you want to say what that is. So I've kind of moved away from that analogy. And at this point in time, we're not doing really any of those, right? So what we're doing is more pep fund type of stuff where we go out and buy, use our, network and you guys get our collective bargaining power to jump over people in the common equity stack and get preferred equity and make a clean return paying monthly on that pet fund which is for accredited only investors in that and you're able to beat or at least beat your six seven eight percent that you're getting in your HELOC and make monthly returns the cool thing we've got like a okay redemption policy there where if things open up in the next year or three years right that's where the kind of the range and the crystal ball is again if you guys want to get access to that part one of the kimono report go to simple dot com slash club there and sign up and a lot of this is keeping your head down for now It's this not the good time to be doing deals to me the only people who are doing deals are people who are trying to build a name for themselves under half a billion dollars of assets under ownership, they need to take some chances because bigger players like us who typically get the better deals aren't doing anything right now. And the brokers are broke right now and they got to do business. So they got to push the inventory out there. Or what I see is some of these operators are getting into trouble, which is why they're doing deals to get an acquisition fee. Now, there's some opportunity out there and I'm trying to do some soul searching on my side, whether I want to get involved in that type of stuff. If I do, I probably want to get involved more on the PREF equity side than on the riskier common equity side. More on that in the future. We'll see. I'm not super sure. For now, it's just the kind of the accredited only PEP fund. But great time to book a call, the intro call with myself. That's always complimentary for new folks and get involved, Get get some of the educational content going for some of you newer investors. Going back to this one here, For someone putting together their five-year roadmap, some people, they had the idea of, I'm going to do all these chocolate deals, especially if their net worth is lower, under a million or two million. People got to grow their net worth, grow that base so that, yeah, then they can sit back and make 10 to 15% and be okay with that. Other investors were like, well, let me just take the slow and steady approach and just go with the vanilla deals all the way. With the vanilla chocolate swirl deals not around anymore at this point in time, maybe later on this year. If you're a credit investor, get on the list for those. We do. I am checking out a deal, some land to purchase, but those go quick. Typically, that goes to our past investors because it's such a rare deal and it's a very small capital raise. Normally, we raise like ten million dollars on a deal where some of these developments we only may need two or three million dollars to get. Those developments are the swirl deals. But for now, pretty much the only thing we have going is the PEP fund. And we are also doing a tax pal fund for those people who are needing suspended passive losses on that, which is, I think, a lot more valuable these days with bonus depreciation going down from 100% down to 80% and going down after that. Uh, But yeah, for now, I think what it is, the way to think about it is, I think we all had this plan, right? We're all going to ride this gravy train, five-year road plan. Maybe ten, some people had a seven or 10-year plan, but with everything, how it is with interest rates, everything, think of it, everything is stopping, right? It's not like investing in stocks where everything bombs down and has to come back. You know, it, with this is why I invest in real estate. It's not like you really lost money. You just have to hold on to this period and not sell in this kind of trough. And for people who are, they had their plan, maybe they earmarked 2027 as their retirement year, maybe just put everything on pause. And for now, just keep your head down and just jump and make 12, 13%, right? You're not going to be cruising forward at 75 miles an hour anymore. It's not the time to be doing that, guys. And I think that's that was my big thing and why I wanted to bring it on this call and talk about it. That maybe you still had the five year plan and you needed to go into more riskier deals. Guys, that is this is not the time to be doing that, in my opinion. Everybody's got like their own asset allocation mix, right? You may have half of your portfolio looking to do like T bills or whatever or very stable stuff like preferred equity. And the other half was more that you want to do healthy vanilla value add deals. And it's not binary. I think the people who are doing it, the binary word were just like, I'm not doing anything. I think that's the wrong way to do it. You need to have your asset allocation mix and have your money out there, especially if your net worth is under $3 million. If your net worth is under $3 million, you can't afford to just sit on your cash and do nothing. That's what most people in this country do. And that's why it takes them so long to get to financial freedom because their money isn't working for them. It's in their lazy debt equity in their house. It's in some mar- money market in their retirement funds, you know. And we'll probably talk about that in the future that I've heard of other questions come up, especially from the street. Now, does it make sense to take my retirement money out? It depends, right? Depends on your AGI. Depends on if you're going to use rep status, passive activity losses to your advantage. A lot of it is just education and it's very personal financing. But if I guess if you guys are out there and you guys want to do an anonymous call and we record it, I think it would make for some great content because this is a question everybody needs to be asking themselves. But anyway, I think I overran my time here. We'll see you guys next week on the weekly report. And if you guys have any questions, please submit it to the team, team at com. And have a great week. Bye.